If you know me personally, you know I love researching true crime stories, but there are definitely certain facets of true crime that I enjoy more than others. One of those being art theft. Art theft and or the replacement with a forgery reminds me of mystery novels. Some of these events have three stories, all fascinating. The perfect art forger can't tell of his or her crime, otherwise the ruse evaporates and the length that the forgers go through show a sophistication that makes me wonder if they only use their talents for good. The theft of the original piece provides a great story as well, and then the story of the painting and the history provides a third strand that is often has more interest than the painting itself. And every year, over 5,000 pieces of art are heisted and on the black market for stolen art values between 6 million to 8 billion United States dollars every year. Welcome back to another episode of A Crime Story. I'm your host, Kaylin Lois, a graduate student in international relations living in Paris, France, even though I'm originally from the United States. I am obsessed with true crime and how it affects cultures and alters history. I decided to turn this obsession and research into a podcast to tell you all about these insane international crime stories. On this episode of A Crime Story, I will discuss Caravaggio's missing nativity painting from the Oratory of St. Lawrence in Palmaro, Sicily, Italy. This is episode 21 of A Crime Story, Italy's Stolen Caravaggio. Italian law finds its roots in Roman law, but also finds influence from the Napoleonic Code. The law became codified and extended to the whole of Italy when the unification occurred in the mid-19th century. Because of Italy's rich cultural heritage and art, specialized squads within the federal police exist to protect the country's artifacts and to investigate crimes against their culture. Today's crime story takes place in 1969, and this year did not go down in Italian history as a good year. The hot autumn of 1969 witnessed a large series of strikes, primarily in northern Italy, over unfair wages and terrible working conditions. More significant, several large-scale homicides occurred. Beginning of April, a series of bombings perpetrated by Italian anarchists began, and these bombings accumulated on December 10th with the massacre in Piazza Fontana, where 18 people died and an additional 88 people were injured. This occurred just two days after the Via Leazzo massacre in Sicily, as the Sicilian Mafia attempted to settle scores. With all this violence, one might not have noticed the October theft of the 17th century oil painting known as the Nativity with St. Francis and St. Lawrence by famed artist Michelangelo Mercini da Caravaggio. Not so fast. The Italians take art theft seriously, and this became a major event. Like I stated in the introduction, the story behind the art and the artist often provides a rich and interesting story within itself. Caravaggio certainly qualifies and lived quite a life and I defined him as quote like a tortured artist. Unlike other artists of his time and before, he did not draw out a scene of a painting but instead just painted. He used a dramatic chiaroscuro, a technique that contrasts light with darkness to bring the viewer to the crew of the scene. Also known for using models off the streets, he went against 
tradition of painting individuals in their finest clothes with an angelic flair. Those during this time criticized his religious paintings, but today people claim that he was showing that religion and God was for all people and not just the finely clothed elite. I viewed my first Caravaggio in my hometown museum, the Kimball Art Museum in Fort Worth. But I definitely learned much more about Caravaggio when my father dragged me to several churches in the internal city in search of his masterpieces. I understand the love that people have for these paintings and I think they're gorgeous. I would describe the paintings as stunning, incredibly lifelike, and in some aspects disturbing. Caravaggio often painted scenes of death, violence, sickliness, and torture. These subjects mirrored his own life. Now, I could have done a whole episode over Caravaggio and the murders and petty crimes that you committed, but I'll give you a little rundown. Born in Milan in 1571, Caravaggio lost both of his parents to the plague during his childhood. Around 1595, he moved to Rome and began to sell paintings to make rent. As his profile grew over the next few years, he became notorious for drinking, gambling, sword carrying, and brawling. Caravaggio went to trial at least 11 times for things like writing sexual poems, throwing a plate of artichokes at a waiter, and carrying a sword without a permit, or assaulting people with a sword, and even one man sued him for beating him with his sword. He went to prison for throwing stones at a policeman, cursing at an officer, and offending a woman and her daughter. In 1603, Giovanni Baglione accused Caravaggio of hiring assassins to kill him. Caravaggio responded to the court, filing by telling Baglione to wipe his butt with his own paintings. He was definitely troubled, for sure. The years 1605 and 1606 saw Caravaggio hit rock bottom. His landlady seized his furniture because he didn't pay rent for six months, so he retaliated by throwing stones at her through a window. In November, he claimed to hospital nurses that he harmed himself by falling on his own sword. On May 29, 1606, he killed Ramucho Tomasoni in a duel. Different accounts exist to what led to the duel, all extremely colorful. Some of the causes of the duel include a disagreement over a tennis match, a gambling debt, different political views, but the most popular and my favorite states that Domasani pimped a sex worker who modeled in Caravaggio's paintings, and Caravaggio killed him while attempting to castrate him. Now, whatever the reason for Tomasoni's death, justified or not, Tomasoni's wealthy family wanted justice, and the court sentenced him to be beheaded. Caravaggio fled Rome and made his way to Naples. The most famous artist in Rome became now the most famous painter in Naples. He won several commissions, and some of his most famous works came into creation. He soon found himself in trouble and fled to Malta, where he attacked a senior knight, so therefore he had to flee to Sicily. In 1610, he was sought a pardon in Rome by sending a feigned Salome with the head of John the Baptist as well as David with the head of Goliath. Caravaggio painted both with his own face as the beheaded, as sort of like a peace offering. The David painting went to his wealthiest patron, who happened to be the nephew of the Pope, who had the power to grant clemency. At this point, Caravaggio began to make his way back to Rome. However, he died of a supposed fever along the way, dead at the age of 38. Now, several rumors exist to what was the cause of his death. Fever, syphilis, infected sword wound, and lead poisoning from paint being the most common. <laughs>
Caravaggio painted the Nativity with St. Francis and St. Lawrence while in Sicily in a year before his death. The painting depicts the Nativity of Jesus with Saints Francis of Assini and St. Lawrence surrounding the Virgin Mary and newborn Jesus. In typical Caravaggio fashion, light comes to the face of the Virgin Mary. Housed in the oratory of St. Lawrence in Palmero, Sicily, a Baroque-style church dated from the late 16th century, the painting is quite large, 6 feet by 9 foot high, generally believed to be on the stormy night of October 17th to the 18th in 1969, two thieves stole the painting. They cut the canvas out of the frame, hung along the stucco area of the altar, and rolled it into a carpet. The first notice of the painting missing include a 15-year-old Antoinella Labon, her mother Maria Gelfo, and an aunt. All three lived in the oratory, and Antoinella described, quote, My mother and aunt were the first to arrive to the scene. They were wailing, they were screaming, it was like we lost a member of our family. In the weeks prior to the theft, Antonella recalls her mother requesting greater security for the window in the church after several suspicious individuals asked her to let them in so that they could admire the painting. She asked the Vatican Cura to secure the window accessible from the street where the oratory displayed the Caravaggio, but the Vatican failed to see the need to do so. Different theories exist as to whether amateurs or professionals stole it. The artist who later created the replica stated, quote, How long would it take with a Stanley knife? You need two people with a ladder, you can do it in an hour. But the caretaker of the oratory explained, To steal the painting, which is 3 by 2 meters, between the stucco, you need to plan it and to study. The cut didn't leave an inch of paint, so it was perfect. It seems to me a very professional work, and if it's professional, it has been studied and must have been commissioned. Whether committed by amateurs or professionals, the painting has never been found to this day. From the beginning of the investigation, the Sicilian Mafia emerged as the one real suspect. Italian authorities devised a theory that amateurs stole the painting after they learned the value of the painting in a documentary that aired in Italy in September 1969. They cased the oratory and saw an opportunity to steal it. The theory believes that after the robbery, the Mafia learned of the theft and intercepted the painting. From that point, the theory goes on to state that it moved from crime boss to crime so boss, eventually reaching the hands of Girolando Alberti. Alberti attempted the sale, but it could not be complete before he was arrested in 1981. He supposedly buried the painting along with drugs and cash, but when his nephew showed the burial location to authorities, no painting was found. To further fuel Sicilian Mafia rumors, former members have stated that the painting was stolen by the Sicilian Mafia and displayed at important Mafia gatherings and it's also said that the nativity was damaged and has since been destroyed. In 1989, and again in 1996, but some sources say in 2005, a mafia informant named Mozzarella, whose real name is Francesco Marina Manoa, told a magistrate that he had stolen the Caravaggio, rolling it up in a canvas to smuggle it out of the church. Later, when Mozzarella opened the canvas, the paint was partially disintegrated and the rolled carpet, and the person commissioned the crime cried and backed out of the deal. Mozzarella has given no clues on the location of the painting and hints that he ordered it to be cut up and burned. 
He also hints at the involvement of the former Italian Prime Minister. The Carbonieri Art Protection Unit in Rome now believes that Mozzarella was recalling the art theft of a different painting. A hitman who assassinated the original magistrate on the case in 1992 stated that he returned it for a more lenient sentence. Another mafia hitman stated that it ended up in a barn with mice and pigs and they destroyed the painting. A British journalist claimed that he tracked it down but that the earthquake buried it in the rubble in 1980. Allegedly, the mafia has been in negotiations to return the painting in return for their captured drugs and arms. A radio host has claimed to seen it in possession of one of the mafia bosses who turned it over to another boss and then destroyed it. A plethora of reports and false information leads authorities to two conclusions. One, that the painting was stolen, likely by the mafia, and two, the painting has likely been destroyed. In 2015, the television company Sky commissioned a replica of the painting to replace the enlarged photograph that hung in the altar. The replica job went to Factum Art, a well-known company that uses advanced technology to create replicas. Sky produced a documentary about the original painting and the reproduction. The completed replica was hung in the altar where the original was stolen from on December 12th, 2015. If the Caravaggio painting ever returns to the oratory, it would be a miracle, but after 51 years, it just seems highly unlikely. In 2017, the president of Italy's Parliamentary Anti-Mafia Commission announced a major breakthrough in the case. New testimony from someone inside the Sicilian Mafia had led investigators to believe that the nativity could be recovered. They followed leads to Switzerland and to Eastern Europe, but nothing has seemed to come from these leads, which locals of Palmero calling the leads just complete gesture. However, the commission concluded that the painting ended up in the home of Gaetano Ballalamenti, who at the time was one of the most powerful mobsters in Sicily, running a 1.65 billion heroin trafficking network to the United States. Ballalamenti died in 2004 while serving time in a United States prison. This conclusion led authorities back to the initial investigation and the testimony of Monsignor Rocco, the custodian of the oratory. In a video filmed in 2001 but not shared publicly into 2019, Rocco states that Bala Lamenti had the painting. The mafia boss had a slice of the canvas sent to convince the Catholic Church to come to the negotiating table for its returns, contacting him twice by letter. Rocco informed the police of the letters and the piece of the canvas, but the files of his statements have vanished. Rocco's testimony seems to have been squashed by the then state official for works of art, Vincenzo Scuderi. Relations between Rocco and Scuderi were strained because Rocco petitioned him for extra security for the building, and it was Scuderi who authorized the documentary of the hidden treasures inside the oratory in 1969. Rocco blames the documentary for the theft. So, with all of this information, let's go back to the original investigations, where three primary questions emerge. One, when was the painting stolen? Members of the parish saw it on October 12th, and Rocco and the two sisters saw it missing on the 18th when preparing for the next Sunday's Mass. But the theft did not become public until October 20th. At any rate, time to smuggle it out of Sicily exists. 
Two, police records at the crime scene no longer exist and can be located. Why is that? Three, could the theft of a large painting hung at nine feet high be carried out by amateurs? We looked at this question a bit ago, but it should be mentioned that one of the Sicilian scholars suggests that the mafia has nothing to do with this crime. A crime of this magnitude on their turf would threaten their prestige. As a result, they claim credit several times and in different ways, but all seem to have led to the destruction of the painting. This completes the 21st episode of A Crime Story Podcast. Now, what do you think happened to the painting? Were you surprised by Caravaggio's criminal lifestyle? And do you believe the Sicilian Mafia had something to do with it? You can comment on A Crime Story Instagram at A Crime Story Pod, where I will be posting images from today's story. You can even comment on A Crime Story Podcast on Facebook or A Crime Story Pod on Twitter, or even comment and see additional photos on A Crime Story Podcast on YouTube. I am also on TikTok under the name A Crime Story Podcast. My website is acrimestorypodcast.com, where you can listen to the podcast as well as read a transcript of today's story under the blog tab. The website includes a map of different cases covered on this podcast underneath the episode slash case guide tab, so be sure to check it out. Thank you so much for listening. If you could please leave a review at the podcast, it helps others find it. Also, if you could tell a friend or two or ten about a crime story, I would greatly appreciate it. Unfortunately, this will be the last episode of 2020, as I will take the rest of the year off to celebrate the holidays. But I assure you, a crime story podcast will return in January to new and incredible crime stories over international cases that you have likely never heard of. In the meantime, be sure to head over to the podcast, The Stars Made Me Do It, on their latest episode titled Lady Killers, which I was featured on. You won't want to miss it, and I will put a link down in the description. The Crime Story was created, hosted, written, and edited by me, Kaylin Lois. I, as well as my father, researched this episode, where sources for today's episode can be found on my website, acrimestorypodcast.com. The artwork for the show has been created by Sabrina Smith. Theme music is by Ross Butchen, and additional story editing is brought to you by my father, Mike. Thank you so much for listening to A Crime Story, and I hope you have a great rest of the year 2020, and happy holidays. And remember, to stay safe at home and abroad. Thank you.